Hello and welcome to this week's B-Roll bonus episode. This week we're going to be discussing everything holiday because, well, it's the holidays. This week, because our being the holidays and our schedules being so compressed, Izzy and I have decided to talk about holiday movies. The first question I asked Izzy this week was, what's her favorite Thanksgiving movie? And that brought us to a really short list of movies that are actually considered Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, we. I was doing some research because in my brain I'm like, have I ever watched a Thanksgiving movie? And half the lists were like rom-coms that happen in the fall, right? And that's not technically a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Like Harry Met Sally was like on all the lists. And I was just like, Harry Met Sally happens throughout like 12 years. So there's going to be Thanksgivings, but there's also Christmases. There's also summers. And what the, makes the, this... the, big, the big scene is on uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. So what makes this movie so... Because it takes place in fall in New York. Yeah. And everybody puts it on their list for like best Thanksgiving movies. And every once in a while on the list, there'll be like um, a Thanksgiving family movie, like a like a situational comedy surrounding the Thanksgiving dinner. Well, there's also the, there's the some of the more famous ones are also basically uh dysfunctional family ones. Basically the family gets together, there's a dysfunctional family and either the family comes together, learns to love each other again or not. And I so I I kind of avoid those movies cuz you can actually have dysfunctional family movies set any time during the regular part of the year. It doesn't have to be just Thanksgiving. And so I find that those movies are basically just using the the reason of Thanksgiving to get the family together. So I find those the same in the same genre as the subgenre of a funeral happens so the dysfunctional family gets together or a wedding is happening so a dysfunctional family gets together. It's just It's pretty much the same yeah, plot device. They're just using Thanksgiving as the plot device to get the family together so you can see this dysfunctional family work through their problems or not. And so I don't really count those films, although there is one made by Jordy Foster that's really good called Home for the Holidays. And so I was do so because I was like, I've never really seen a movie that was like specific Thanksgiving, right? And then I realized I had in Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. So, is Charlie Brown Thanksgiving your favorite Thanksgiving movie? Well, it's really hard to say that it's my favorite Thanksgiving movie because for the longest time we would watch The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and then Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving back to back. So, in my memory, they're the same movie. So, did you go back and rewatch them to see if. I think last year was the last time I watched. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and even when putting the disc into the DVD player, I was still calling it the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown movie. So it's like the only one that I specifically count as a Thanksgiving movie. So is there a movie that you enjoy to watch during Thanksgiving? Well, there's a movie that I really do enjoy watching that is a Thanksgiving movie. I I, I think I call it a Thanksgiving movie I think a lot of people would agree with me because the whole point is they're trying to get home for the holidays, for for the Thanksgiving holiday in 
the movie, and that's planes, trains, and automobiles. The whole reason that they're trying to get that John Candy and Steve Martin are trying to get home is to enjoy Thanksgiving with their family. And it's one of those movies too that I like because it, it it feels very slick and the comedy doesn't doesn't feel very um like there's a lot of depth in it, but it's surprisingly the performance that John Candy gives, I think is one of his best performances. It's really layered and uh, it's deceptively layered. It's like you think of him as just being this big overgrown kid in this entire movie. And then you start realizing that, no, he actually is a much deeper character and your allegiances to the characters flip and flip flop throughout the movie. I just find it a much more fun comedy that you can rewatch. It's not a one note comedy. So I, I like it. It's it's one of my favorite Thanksgiving movies. Another Thanksgiving movie that I I'm going to throw on the list that people might want to check out because it's like, it's kind of like the diehard of Thanksgiving movies where people argue whether or not this is a really a Thanksgiving movie. I don't know if people actually argue as much as they argue about Die Hard. It's a movie that came out in 1986 called The Morning After. And basically Jane Fonda plays a washed up actress who wakes up on Thanksgiving morning with a man in her bed who's been stabbed through the heart. And so she's just like this whole thriller thing. And uh, Jeff Bridges plays a, a detective and uh, a private eye. And they try to solve the the crime together and it's i think it's like one of those fun that sounds really fun i can't believe you haven't put that on our list yet <laughs> yeah so it's directed by city lamette too who's like one of my favorite directors okay so, again why haven't you put this on our list yet i don't know i just it just popped into my head it's one of those movies that's like was made in the 80s that people kind of forget about but it's it's a lot of fun and so um but yeah, it's, it, for a Thanksgiving movie that is not a straightforward Thanksgiving movie, I would throw this on there. Uh, so I w- you could make it. You could make a double bill of plane, trains, and automobiles, and then the morning after, or maybe watch the morning after, and then watch planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, but I just think as as some people use Thanksgiving, the 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 holiday as a metaphor for disaster because they're family and all that kind of stuff. And this one's like, yeah, Thanksgiving is a disaster because there's a dead guy in her bed. So I don't know. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I wanted to add onto this list. Again, it's not necessarily a true Thanksgiving film because it technically takes, takes place in the summer, but Adam's family values Oh yeah, because of the the scene that, that the whole play that happens in the summer camp, where um, Wednesday Adams plays, uh, I believe it's Sacagawea. Is that no, 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 it's Pocahontas. Oh, Pocahontas. Either either way, it's it's just a rant, you know, random historical Native American figure that. Did you know that Pocahontas and uh, Shakespeare died a year apart in uh, in England? No, a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people think that. She in my brain and Shakespeare is like no, like really he, far away. He died in sixteen sixteen. Yeah, she died in sixteen seventeen in London. I did not know that. Yeah, so it puts that perspective and like what was going like. So when he's writing his plays, and people are saying, "Yeah, this is about colonization." So I was like, "Yeah, duh," because we were doing it. 
Yeah. Well, that that fact is similar to the fact. I know this is a little off topic, but it's the same. Like has the same feeling as the fact that um, Queen uh, Queen Cleopatra, the you know the seventh, the one that we call know, Cleopatra. Cle- call Cleopatra. She's closer in time to the invention of the iPhone than she is to the pyramids being built. Yeah, a lot of people like point that one out. Well. I found that out recently, and it blew my mind. Was it one of those, this will blow your mind memes? Yeah, probably one of those. <laughs> not, not a memes, but it was one of those those uh, National Geographic fun facts of the day. So it was from a reliable source. Yeah, no, it's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Pocahontas one I read somewhere in one of those lists. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like, there's like a lot of famous people, a lot of famous things that happen in history that you start lining them up. They're like, oh my God, this happened at the same time, or are really distant apart, but we put them in our brain as being a lot closer together. Like we would put our brain Cleopatra closer to the pyramids than to us. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's, but yeah, people don't forget that the Egyptian empire lasted for 2000 years. Well, dynasty, well, that's why there's like so many well, different dynasties. Well, that, for the fact that you can study Egyptian art within ancient history art and within Greek and Roman art too because they influenced each other. Yep. And so it's so it's an off topic situation. But yeah. Yes. So we've talked about Thanksgiving, which here in America many people celebrate, but it's not really a common holiday. One of the most common holidays is Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's the Christmas season, holiday season. And one of the main things in America about Christmas is our Christmas holiday movies. People get very testy about which holiday movies they love to watch and which holiday movies you have to watch or it's not Christmas at all. So I wanted to ask, what is your, we have to watch this Christmas movie or Christmas hasn't happened yet? Um, There's two movies. One's from my childhood and I probably give more of a pass than I should. Because of nostalgia. Because of nostalgia. And that's uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, and Danny Kaye. It's one of those movies that I really, really enjoy because it, it reminds me of Christmas when I was a kid because I used to see it a lot uh, when I was a kid. Also, there's a lot less Christmas movies when I was a kid. It seems to be like every year now, certain channels will produce like 20 Christmas movies every season. So it's like there's so many Christmas movies now that I have to watch that one if I to make it feel like it's Christmas time. And what about you? For me, I think many Christmases in my childhood was centered around the Rankin Bass yeah. Christmases. And pretty much, if Rudolph isn't watched, it doesn't feel like Christmas. And I really love the year without a Santa Claus. I skip right over Drummer Boy because I'm sorry, that movie makes me want to take my eyeballs out. But every other Rankin Bass film, I it has a really soft place in my heart, and those are like the two that I love the most. Um, Is there like a full length feature film that you feel like you have to watch? Well, recent there's a recent movie that came out called The Last Christmas with um, Anthony Mackie. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, and I don't know why. I feel like the last Christmas or the night before. 
Oh, no, the night before. Yes, it's okay. called that night before. And to me, it's the perfect like end cap to Christmas. Like watching it the day after Christmas? Yeah, like the day after Christmas. And it kind of like wraps up the holiday. So it's not like a Christmas hasn't happened because I haven't watched this movie. It's kind of like Christmas is over now because I've watched this movie. And it just, it cracks me up every time. The jokes are the same. You said that there was two movies. What was the other one besides White Christmas? Well, ironically, this is not a Christmas movie. I end up watching it every year, usually when I'm wrapping presents. And that is... Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Yes. So, so uh, I may get through the whole trilogy during Christmas, depending on my time. I don't know. But usually I end up, usually what happens is I end up finishing the trilogy sometime in January. But er, every every Christmas I'll start wrapping presents to the Fellowship because it came out during that time back in the day. And I just always have associated it in the last 20 years, hard to believe it's 20 years old now, um, with The Fellowship. So I have two Christmas movies. I have White Christmas, which is an actual Christmas movie, and I have Fellowship of the Ring as my the two that I have to watch during that, during that era. I feel the exact same way about Pirates of the Caribbean. You have to watch Pirates of the Caribbean. Not we. I have to watch Pirates of the Caribbean, but somehow around this time, I always get a jonesing to watch Pirates of the Caribbean because to like when I'm wrapping presents or maybe even on Christmas Day, just because I just get this jonesing for it. Because there was one Christmas where we got all of the four that were happening at that time. Three. Oh yeah, we got the three that were already out at that time for Christmas, and we just watched them, and it's just kind of lodged in my brain. Yeah, so that one that I don't have to watch, but the, it's. I, but also, Lord of the Rings does kind of have that like it's December. We should watch Lord of the Rings kind of feeling. Is there a particular movie that you used to watch as a holiday film that you know that you no longer go back to? The Drummer Boy. Okay. Yeah, I named that one. I, it's the only Rankin Bass film that I cannot look fondly on with the lens of nostalgia. Okay. It just it makes me cringe. I don't like the song. It just for some reason that movie didn't click with me. So that and probably a Christmas story. Oh, you don't want you don't like Christmas story much anymore. I like it, but we there was that one year that we literally watched it four times back to back, and after that, I'm kind of done. <laughs> yeah, that year burned me out. You're right. So, for me, the movie that I used to watch a lot and I don't watch much anymore is It's a Wonderful Life. I used to really, really watch that film and enjoy it for multiple reasons. I just got kind of like. It, like I said, it, it was on cycle for so many years that I just kind of got burned out of it. So I don't, I don't watch it much anymore. I still enjoy it when it comes on. I won't turn it off. I just won't go searching for it. Yeah. See, that that answer, It's a Wonderful Life, doesn't work for this question because you said a movie that I enjoyed watching that I no longer watch anymore. Um, it's a Wonderful Life I, was one of those movies that we I watched it for the first time, and I was like, I want – my two hours back. The whole thing about It's a Wonderful Life is you have to understand both Jim, uh, Jimmy Stewart came back from World War II after fighting in World War II. And uh, the director had filmed movies 
in Europe, combat films like that. So they they were kind of making a comment of the even the smallest life is important. Well, did you know that It's a Wonderful Life as a Christmas class was like a mistaken Christmas classic? Yeah, because it didn't make money in the box office and it wasn't very popular. Yeah, so they let its its um copyright go out because nobody cared about the movie and because the copyright went out these hallmark type channels no there's only three channels abc nbc well, cbs <laughs> sorry but that's God. there wasn't a hallmark like channel i said hallmark like channel as but in there was christmas a, channel would pick it up there was and just christmas rerun channel. it and then people would be like oh my god i love this movie because it's christmas time and they keep running this movie so yes it's, so it's like a it's like why why, why ten commandments became a became an Easter movie because they just ran it at Easter every year. And it's like... yeah. So It's a Wonderful Life wasn't even meant to be a Christmas classic, so I don't think of it as a Christmas classic. It's a Wonderful Life is associated with Christmas because of the fact that, ha- that the beginning happens at Christmas and the ending is at Christmas. Most of the movie takes place throughout his life, so it's not really tied to Christmas. Uh, and... Same thing of like how Harry, in my opinion, Harry Met Sally is not a Thanksgiving movie because it goes through their 12 years together. No, I understand that, but I don't think it's 12 years, is it? Oh, well, I guess it is. Yeah, if the big, the first. The first meeting after college and they get married in the 30s. Isn't yeah. it 12 years? Yeah, so, yeah you're right. Um, I just, I just think it's one of those things that when It's Wonderful Life is brought up, people have pre-made their mind up about that movie sometimes. Are you calling me out? A little bit. <laughs> so I, one of the reasons why our schedules are super crazy is I'm doing a show for a local theater uh, of the Christmas Carol. Yeah, you're working in the costume department. Costume department. Best job ever. Love it. Unsarcastically. I, this sounds sarcastic. Um, so what is your favorite adaptation of the Christmas Carol? Ooh. Because that movie, along with the play productions, have is that reaches far and wide. That is true. That is true. I have seen. Okay, so there's 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 different ones I really like for different reasons. I really like the Alistair Sim one that was made uh, in Britain. I think right after World War Two. There's a Christmas Carol with George C. Scott. Made in 1984, that was that some people say is the best one. Uh, like the it's and I, I find that one sometimes to be a little too TV movie ish, you know. Um, and then the there's a Christmas Carol with Patrick Stewart that was pretty good. Yeah, that's that was one on my list. I don't like. The one with Jim Carrey, the one that was. That's the, that's the, the, where they put the, the, like the, him yeah. in a jumpsuit and put balls on his face and then he, like, they animated his face. Yeah, like, like Polar which, Express. Yeah, which kind of made it a little uncanny valley for me where it was like yeah. too human, but it's also not human. So it gave me the creeps, which well, I think is what they were kind of going for too. I don't know. They, well, they stopped making movies that way. So that tells you that it maybe wasn't the way. I think the best, sorry, think, this is definitely a thing, but 
the best way that they used that type of technology was when they made Tintin. Yeah. There was the one that came out like two years ago, the the um, on FX, the Christmas Carol with Guy Pierce. That was interesting. It made it more of a Christmas horror story, which is I thought was was very interesting to me. I I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. So, but but I have to say the one that I, I tend to lean go back to is the Alistair Sim one that was made in 51. And then there's Scrooge, which is Bill Murray and the updating of the story in. I think, I think I really like Scrooge because it is an updated version and it's not the same Victorian style, snowy, you know, London streets. I do think my favorite non-adaptation adaptation is the man who invented christmas i just i really like that film it was kind of sweet there's a lot of stories when it comes to charles dickens and and especially getting this book made it was kind of nice seeing like the biopicness of it but also they brought in your favorite characters from from the book so it's kind of an adaptation, non-adaptation. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll be back to regular scheduled movies. And stay tuned because who knows, maybe we'll discuss your favorite holiday movie. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to all our past episodes on tmlajourneythroughcinema.com. Or follow us at TML A Journey Through Cinema on Instagram, at TML A Journey on Twitter, or on Facebook at The Movie Log One. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.